0: The Law School of America Now a word from our sponsor. The tort of negligent infliction of emotional distress, N.I.E.D., is a controversial cause of action, which is available in nearly all U.S. states but is severely constrained and limited in the majority of them. The underlying concept is that one has a legal duty to use reasonable care to avoid causing emotional distress to another individual. If one fails in this duty and unreasonably causes emotional distress to another person, that actor will be liable for monetary damages to the injured individual. The tort is to be contrasted with intentional infliction of emotional distress and that there is no need to prove intent to inflict distress. That is, an accidental infliction, if negligent, is sufficient to support a cause of action. History Need began to develop in the late 19th century but only in a very limited form, in the sense that plaintiffs could recover for consequential emotional distress as a component of damages when a defendant negligently inflicted physical harm upon them. By 1908, most industrial U.S. states had adopted the physical impact form of need. However, need started developing into its more mature and more controversial form in the mid-20th century. As the new machines of the Second Industrial Revolution flooded the legal system with all kinds of previously unimaginable complex factual scenarios, courts began to allow plaintiffs to recover for emotional distress resulting from negligent physical injuries to not only themselves, but other persons with whom they had a special relationship, like a relative. The first step, then, was to remove the requirement of physical injury to the actual plaintiff while keeping the requirement of physical injury to someone. In the 1968 landmark decision of Dylan Legg, the Supreme Court of California was the first court to allow recovery for emotional distress alone, even in the absence of any physical injury to the plaintiff, in the particular situation where the plaintiff simply witnessed the death of a close relative at a distance, and was not within the zone of danger where the relative was killed. A 2007 statistical study commissioned by the court found that Dylan was the most persuasive decision published by the court between 1940 and 2005. Dylan has been favorably cited and followed by at least 20 reported out-of-state appellate decisions, more than any other California appellate decision. The next step after Dylan was to make optional the element of another person, so that the injury could be to anything where it would be reasonably foreseeable that such injury would cause some person emotional distress. The first such case was Rodriguez v. State, in which the Supreme Court of Hawaii held that plaintiffs could recover for negligent infliction of emotional distress as a result of negligently causing flood damage to their home. This is generally considered to be the true birth of need as a separate tort. Twelve years after Dillon, California expanded need again, by holding that a relative could recover even where the underlying physical injury was de minimis, unnecessary medications and medical tests, if the outcome was foreseeable. The breakup of the plaintiff's marriage as a result of the defendant's negligent and incorrect diagnosis of a sexually transmitted disease. In 1994, the U.S. Supreme Court for the first time recognized need as part of federal common law, by holding that railroad workers could pursue need claims against their employers under the Federal Employers Liability Act. The court recognized only the pre form of need, though, in that the plaintiff had to be within his zone of danger to recover in the absence of physical injury. In 1999, Hawaii took need even further by expressly holding that damages may be based solely upon serious emotional distress, even absent proof of a predicate physical injury. Criticism It is generally disfavored by most states because it appears to have no definable parameters and because so many potential claims can be made under it. The situations that would give rise to such a claim are difficult to define. Because of this substantial uncertainty, most legal theorists find the theory to be unworkable in practice. A corollary of this critique is that the tort runs the risk, in the bystander need context, of overcompensating plaintiffs for distress which would have occurred anyway regardless of the cause of death of the decedent. In a landmark decision of the Supreme Court of California, which severely limited the availability of bystander need, Associate Justice David Eagleson wrote in Thing v. La Chusa, 1989. No policy supports extension of the right to recover for need to a larger class of plaintiffs. Emotional distress is an intangible condition experienced by most persons, even absent negligence, at some time during their lives. Close relatives suffer serious, even debilitating, emotional reactions to the injury, death, serious illness, and evident suffering of loved ones. These reactions occur regardless of the cause of the loved one's illness, injury, or death that relatives will have severe emotional distress is an unavoidable aspect of the human condition. The emotional distress for which monetary damages may be recovered, however, ought not to be that form of acute emotional distress or the transient emotional reaction to the occasional gruesome or horrible incident to which every person may potentially be exposed in an industrial and sometimes violent society. The overwhelming majority of emotional distress which we endure, therefore, is not compensable. An additional criticism of the tort is that it leads to abuse of liability insurance coverage. Most liability insurance policies provide for coverage of negligently inflicted injuries but exclude coverage of intentionally inflicted injuries. If a victim is intentionally injured by a person, many theorists perceive that the victim will tend to recast the claim as being one for negligence in order to fall within the coverage of the insurance policy. The Texas case of Boyles v. Kerr, 1993, is illustrative. In this case, the defendant secretly videotaped himself engaging in sexual activities with the plaintiff. The defendant then showed this videotape to numerous individuals and caused severe distress to the plaintiff. The plaintiff brought suit against the defendant, asserting a claim for negligent infliction of emotional distress. On appeal, the Supreme Court of Texas observed that the facts did not support a claim of negligence. Rather, the court noted, The facts clearly supported a claim of an intentional injury by the defendant and it was evident that the claim had been cast as negligence solely to obtain insurance coverage. The court then went on to hold that Texas did not recognize a claim for negligent infliction of emotional distress and remanded the case to the trial court for consideration of a claim for intentional infliction of emotional distress. Jurisdictions that have rejected the claim of negligent infliction of emotional distress do not forbid the recovery of damages for mental injuries. Instead, these jurisdictions usually allow recovery for emotional distress where such distress 1. Is inflicted intentionally, for example, intentional infliction of emotional distress. 2. Is directly associated with a physical injury negligently inflicted upon a victim, for example, emotional distress resulting from a loss of limb or disfigurement of the face. 3. Is caused by defamation and libel. 4 stems from witnessing a gruesome accident as a bystander. 5. Is the product of some misconduct universally recognized as causing emotional distress such as mishandling a loved one's corpse or failing to deliver a death notice in a timely manner? Negligence in employment encompasses several causes of action in tort law that arise where an employer is held liable for the tortious acts of an employee because that employer was negligent in providing the employee with the ability to engage in a particular act. Four basic causes of action may arise from such a scenario negligent hiring, negligent retention, negligent supervision, and negligent training. While negligence in employment may overlap with negligent entrustment and vicarious liability, the concepts are distinct grounds of liability. Negligence As with all negligence claims, the claimant must prove four elements that the defendant, in this case, the employer, owed them a duty of care, that this duty was breached that the claimant was injured as a result of the breach, and the injury to the plaintiff was a reasonably foreseeable consequence of the breach. In order for such a duty to exist, the injury to the claimant must be reasonably foreseeable, meaning, for example, that the type of employment must be one in which an unfit employee could cause harm of the type which occurred, and the claimant is the type of person to whom such harm would be a reasonably foreseeable consequence. Negligent Hiring Negligent hiring may be found where the employee, the tortfeasor, had a reputation or record that showed his slasher propensity to misuse the kind of authority given by the employer, and this record would have been easily discoverable by the employer, had the employer exercised due diligence. For example, a victim of sexual harassment in the workplace may have a cause of action for negligent hiring on the part of her employer if she can show that the employer was aware of the harasser's termination from a previous position for the same behavior. Negligent Hiring Preventive Measures In the sexual harassment example described above, the employer may be held liable for negligent hiring if the harasser had a previous history of harassment. This is because an employer has an obligation to its employees and others who will come in contact with them to provide a safe and productive working environment. One preventive measure for negligent hiring is to perform a reasonable investigation on potential employees. This may include conducting interviews, verifying work and educational histories, checking references and conducting a background check on all applicants who have accepted an offer of conditional hire, and if an adverse assessment is found, to deny employment to such an applicant. Note that simply conducting a criminal background check on an applicant may not be a sufficient investigation. In Minnesota, for example, such a check was determined to be insufficient by the court in Pondikas v. KMS Investments, 1983. This will not guarantee the employer will not be held liable, but it will show that the employer used a diligent search to screen potential harassers from the workplace, and will assist the employer in demonstrating that it took reasonable care in hiring. It is important to also note that, in the United States, background checks for job applicants are subject to the Fair Credit Reporting Act, 2003. If an adverse assessment is found in an employment screen, the applicant has the right to dispute the report. The majority of credible empirical research indicates that, likely due to employer concerns regarding negligent hiring liability, a criminal record has a significant negative effect on the hiring outcomes of ex-offenders. Now a word from our sponsor, the Law School of America. Negligent Retention, Supervision, and Training Negligent retention occurs where a party failed to remove an employee from a position of authority or responsibility after it became apparent that the employee was in fact misusing that authority or responsibility in a way that posed a danger to others. Negligent supervision is closely related, as it occurs where a party fails to reasonably monitor or control the actions of an employee. A variation of negligent retention or supervision is negligent training, which arises where the employer's training of the employee fails to prevent the employee from engaging in the acts that injure the claimant, or fails to remediate a pattern of behavior which leads to an injury. Suits for negligent retention often plead negligent supervision or training as an alternate theory, as the employer who knows of an employee's improper conduct should either terminate that employee, or take steps to penalize that conduct and or train the employee not to engage in that conduct related doctrines negligent entrustment compared negligent entrustment arises where the entruster is held liable for negligence because they negligently provided the entrustee with a dangerous instrument and the entrusted party caused injury to a third party with that instrument where such a claim is brought against an employer the employer will be held liable if the entrustee's record was known or would have been easily discoverable to the employer for example if a bus company hires a driver who has a record of reckless driving, of which the company could have learned through a search of publicly available records, the company would be liable for the negligent entrustment of the bus to that driver, should the driver cause an accident. Negligent entrustment differs from negligent hiring, retention, supervision, and training in two key respects. First, negligent hiring and the related torts require the employment itself of the tort fees or causing the injury whereas a party can be held liable for negligent entrustment to any person. Second, an employer can be found liable for negligent hiring even without provision of any dangerous instrument to the employee. However, where an employer hires an unqualified person to engage in the use of a dangerous instrumentality, as in the above example with the bus driver, the employer may be liable for both negligent entrustment and hiring. Vicarious Liability Compared Vicarious liability is a separate theory of liability, which provides that an employer is liable for the torts of an employee under an agency theory, even if the employer did nothing wrong. The principle is that the acts of an agent of the company are assumed, by law, to be the acts of the company itself, provided the tortfeasor was acting within the course of his employment. By contrast, each of the above negligence theories requires proof of actual negligence on part of the employer before the injury occurred for example when the employee was first hired. Negligent entrustment is a cause of action in tort law that arises where one party, the entruster, is held liable for negligence because they negligently provided another party, the entrustee, with a dangerous instrumentality, and the entrusted party caused injury to a third party with that instrumentality. The cause of action most frequently arises where one person allows another to drive their automobile. General Principles one of the earliest reported cases under this cause of action, the 1915 Mississippi case of Winvey Halliday, concerned the negligence of the father in entrusting a dangerous agency to a son known to be negligent, based on the allegation that the appellant knew his son to be given to joyriding. The key allegation that must be proven in such a case can be described as follows: A plaintiff who invokes that doctrine must present evidence which creates a factual issue whether the owner knew or had reasonable cause to know that he was entrusting his car to an unfit driver likely to cause injury to others. Furthermore, in order to impose liability upon the owner, the plaintiff must prove that the negligent entrustment of the motor vehicle to the dortfieser was a proximate cause of the accident. Negligent entrustment is generally found where the entrustee had a reputation or record that showed his propensity to be dangerous through possession of such an instrumentality. Where the claim is against an employer. The employer will be held liable if the entrustee's record was known to the employer or would have been easily discoverable by that employer, had a diligent search been conducted. For example, suppose a bus company hires a driver who has a record of reckless driving, which the company could have learned of through a search of publicly available records. The company will be liable for the negligent entrustment of the bus to that driver, if the driver is in an accident. Similarly, if A lends his handgun to B. Knowing that B has a propensity for violence, A may be held to have negligently entrusted the gun to B when B uses the gun to shoot someone during an argument. However, such cases are often harder to prove than negligent entrustment cases involving employment, because judges and juries are less likely to find that an entruster had a duty to check on the publicly available records of an entrustee who was merely a friend. Evidence in such cases is usually presented through testimony about the entruster's knowledge of the entrustee's reputation for violence and of specific acts of violence committed by the entruster. Intersection with Criminal Law The Supreme Court of the United States has held that negligent entrustment of a vehicle to a person with a criminal reputation will support the state's seizure of that vehicle as a penalty, if it is used in the commission of a crime. Intersection with Evidence Law Under Rule 404 of the Federal Rules of Evidence, F.R.E., Evidence of a person's character or trait of his character is not admissible to prove he acted in conformity with his character on a particular occasion. However, as an exception, FRE Rule 405b allows a person's character to be admitted in evidence to prove conduct when the character or trait of character of a person is an essential element of a charge or defense such as in the case of negligent entrustment. Related Doctrines Negligence in Employment Compared Negligence in employment differs from negligent entrustment in two key respects. First, negligent employment requires that the injury was caused by the actual employment of the party. By comparison, a party can be held liable for negligently entrusting something to any person, whether that person is an employee or not. Second, an employee can be found liable for negligent hiring, retention, supervision, or training even without provision of any dangerous instrumentality to the employee. However, Where an employer hires an unqualified person to engage in the use of a dangerous instrumentality, as in the above example with the bus driver, the employer may be liable for both negligent entrustment and negligent hiring. Vicarious Liability Compared Vicarious liability is a separate theory of liability from negligent entrustment. The doctrine of vicarious liability provides that an employer is liable for the torts of an employee under an agency theory, even if the employer did nothing wrong. Negligent entrustment, however, requires proof of actual negligence on part of the employer before the injury occurred, when the entrustee was entrusted with the dangerous instrumentality. The Law School of America. This has been a Creative Commons licensed podcast. The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation, Incorporated under a Creative Commons Attribution, Share Alike license. The text has been modified for audio.